Um, first of all, want to uh, just remind everyone, as, as you can see, we brought all of the chairs back into the room, so it's set up a little bit, a little bit more like it was pre-pandemic. Um, but we also recognize that some of you would like space, so make sure you self-space, spread out a little bit, give yourself a little bit of room. And if it's just a little too tight in here for you, we totally understand that. And we encourage you to, you can head next door if you'd like, and we've got uh, the service running on a projection screen next door in the coffee shop. You can sit in there and spread out and be comfortable. And just a reminder, we're trying to be really careful, obviously, and this is not only COVID season, but cold and flu season and strep season and all that. So if you have any symptoms whatsoever, um, we just encourage you guys you know, to stay home, not come to the service, just watch us online. That's one of the beauties of having the online service is that if you are sick at all, you could just stay home and watch online and still be part of the community. A um, couple of other announcements. Uh, we are having a barbecue right after church. This will probably be the last barbecue of the season. I doubt we're going to get 70-degree weather in December, uh, the first week of December. But we are going to do a barbecue today. So if you are here you're, and you're hungry, you're welcome to come out, um, grab a burger, grab a hot dog, and uh, join us for that. It'll be a good time of fellowship. At the same time, we're talking about Christmas stuff. So Operation Christmas Child, you probably saw the uh, table as you came in. The uh, shoe boxes are out there if you would like to take a shoe box and fill that for Operation Christmas Child and then bring it back here. The collection week is actually November 15th through the 22nd, and we, can, we could use some volunteers for that. There's about two hours every day during that week where we are going to have dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of boxes coming into Hillside because Hillside's kind of the central collection place for Golden. And Barbara Bond is, is running that this year. She's actually out in the lobby right now, but you can touch base with her. Or you can go to our website or go to the weekly email, and there's a link there for signing up. There's a sign-up genius. If you would like to help out for two hours during that week, we would love to get your help on that. And also, it's a little odd to be talking about snow shoveling when it's 70 degrees outside, but we do anticipate some snow at some point in the year. And so to that end, we could use some help uh, with snow shoveling. So if you are interested in helping or being on the call list, for snow shoveling, what we do is we usually have about 10 or 12 people on that list. I send out a text to everyone when we, when we do have measurable snowfall, and whoever's available comes and helps us shovel. Um, so let me know. Um, you can talk to me, or you can email me, or you, there's also a link in the weekly email um, for that as well if you'd be interested in helping out with the snow shoveling crew. Uh, let me see. Women's ministry. We'll have a gathering this Wednesday evening, a dinner from 6.30 to 8.30, right out front. Hopefully, if the weather's nice, it'll be out front. Otherwise, it'll be inside. Uh, but dinner will be provided, and all the ladies are welcome to that, and children are welcome to attend that as well. Again, there's more information on the website about that. And then lastly, Tom has some announcements about children's ministry. Well, good morning, Hillside. Uh, we're... Thank you. <laughs> We're really excited about today because slowly but surely we have kind of ramped up the children's ministry the last couple of months. We've had nursery coverage, we've had some kids outside, and uh, today we're going to embark on what we did pre-pandemic. So almost two years later, we're going to have the same plan that we did prior uh, to the pandemic. So for all children, either at the nursery age or preschool or elementary school age, we're gonna be downstairs 
uh, with a lot of fun things that are happening. And so just to let you know, for if you have a, um, a child for the nursery or two, Miss Kaylin's going to be down there in the nursery this morning. We have Miss Barbara and Miss Andrea for our preschoolers. And then we have Miss Tara, who loves the kindergarten second graders. So she's going to be down in the, in the foyer to greet them. And then we have Mr. Dan for third and fifth graders. So we're really excited about how that's all going to be ramped up. And that's going to be our hope to be consistent with that every Sunday here. Uh, we have a tremendous group um, of Sunday school leaders that not only are going to be teaching today, but we're going to be rotating as the months go on. So we're really excited about what the rest of 2021 is going to look like, and then of course for what 2022 is going to look like as well. So just like the chairs you're sitting in and this new season of life, we're getting more and more back to normal, so we're really excited about that. So right after the announcements here, if you have any children of those age groups, please come out to the... Uh, uh, the foyer, and we'll group them up in the, in the right right spots where they need to be in for, for Sunday school. So pretty excited about that. Awesome. <clears throat> Thank you, Tom. That is very exciting to get our children's ministry back up and running. Um, so yeah, kids can head out there after this. Um, also, the prayer team is available next door in the coffee shop after the service. If you've got anything you would like uh, prayed for, um, please join them. They're, they'll be behind the uh, wooden doors, uh, behind the barn doors in the coffee shop there. And then lastly, just want to remind you, um, offering, tithes, giving, we've got baskets here in the front and in the back. You can drop your offering in, or you can do it online as well. You can get to that through the Bible app, through our event. You can get to it through our website, all of that. And we just want to thank you all for being so faithful. Um, it's been amazing just to see the faithfulness of this church over the last couple of years, even with the pandemic. It's just been awesome to see. So we just want to continue to remind you that it's just a wonderful act of worship on all of our parts. So let's go ahead and pray together, and then we will worship together. Almighty God, we do just thank you for this time to be together. Lord, I thank you for all these faces that I see. and just thank you that we can come together in community this morning to, to honor you, to glorify you, to praise you, uh, to fellowship together, to, to worship and to hear from your word and to take communion together. Lord, we just pray for your blessings on our children's ministry. We thank you for the patience of teachers and the kids and the parents and just thank you that we're at this point where we feel like we can open it up again and start to uh, go back to the way it was. And Lord, we just pray for your protection and blessing upon those kiddos and the teachers. Uh, just make it a special time, Lord. And Lord, we just lift this time up to you. We want you to be glorified in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Hillside. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand up? We're going to worship together. Don't be afraid to jump around, dance around. We're going to get our blood moving a little bit, so let's worship. It's my turn. 
obviously talks about how it's not us, it's not about us, it's about Christ in us and through us and what he can do and um, it's just, it's the gift of grace because um, it's never about anything that we do or us earning anything, it's all about um, his grace and his mercy and um, he lives in us and that's a gift and we get to share that with everyone. So we're going to sing this. If you know it, sing along. If not, just listen to the words and um, yeah.
in our lives constantly and when we have nothing left we have you we have your strength and your peace God we thank you for meeting us where we are for being our strength for being our hope God we pray that you would shine through us and when we don't have the strength to love would be able to um, just be filled with you and your strength to um, just love others and um, yeah, just live. So God, I pray that you would just be glorified today. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Donovan Lowen. I'm the missions and outreach pastor here at Hillside. And as you know, our Sunday, our first Sundays of the month um, look a little differently. And so today is one of those Sundays. We're going to share in communion together. And uh, we're also here from Pastor Kevin. Um, but part of what I wanted to share uh, in my uh, intro here to this morning is um, a little bit of my crusty heart. I'm not sure if you guys have... You have one you're happy about here in my crusty heart. <laughs> That's good. That makes me feel better. Thank you. I'll look at you the whole time. Um, so I kind of want to share a little bit of my experience um, as a bit of a heart prep, maybe for, for what we're going to see uh, on video here in a little bit. Um, so I realized this, this summer I had uh, one of my best nights this summer was going with Jeff and Jenny Ward uh, and my wife uh, to Red Rocks. To see a concert and if you know me I love concerts They're one of my favorite things I will watch YouTube videos till I'm real old I love watching music videos and watching concerts so when they asked hey would you like to come to the concert no-brainer instant yes let's do this real excited to go and um, then they shared the lineup and I was like okay interesting I love it was, it, was a, it was a concert put on by Caleb, and a few of the headliners were folks that I'm like, normally I just put them in a box right away. And instantly I'm like, all right, these guys are, they're in that box. There's maybe some lyrics or maybe some sayings that are just maybe a little too Christianese or, you know, maybe some corny things. So I, I put this in the box, and, but thrilled to go because some of my favorite people at Red Rocks in the concert, awesome. So we go to this concert, 
And again, I knew the type of people that we'd be seeing at the concert, and I'm kind of, you know, wrestling through, you know, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and, you know, we sit down, and I look around, and I see just such a wide, vast range of people. Uh, totally blew my mind. It was, you know, people dressed in goth. We had some punk folks. We had folks that are real clean, clean dressed. Instantly, I'm like, all right, something's not fitting, fitting my box. You know, it's not working out. And the first artist who was going to share uh, was totally a blast from the past. In my brain, I'm like, we just need to fast forward to the main event. You know, that's kind of what I'm doing in my brain. I pulled up my phone and I'm like, I checked out, you know, how old she was. And she's like my age, younger, you know, so I felt a little convicted for one there. And then she started sharing or singing, leading us in worship. And I'm like, Donovan, you're such an idiot. You totally just pushed all these awesome people in this box and I was yeah totally convicted that was one of my best nights this year just thinking through uh reflecting back and then as the night went on it just kind of got better and better and they took up this offering for um you know child sponsorships and just hit it hard and showed all these compelling videos and just calling people to action and I'm like man this is just awesome you know to see the full red rocks just praising the lord all walks of people the whole gamut it was just so cool and inside it was just that conviction that man you gotta you gotta change some things in your heart and uh, as mike shared some of the videos uh that we're gonna see this morning had some similar some similar feelings um before we get to that though about um 11 years ago i joined neighborhood rehab project and it was so cool how it how it happened um chuck uh, wade um, myself and a few others were in houston leading worship at a conference and the conference was focused on impacting your cities and so leading worship we were part of all these you know different uh, sessions and things in between one of these sessions um I'd shared with Dan, I was looking for some ways to supplement our income. Um, but in this, in this time of uh, being a missions pastor here, I feel like uh, I, was, I was a little dissatisfied because so much of my time was focused overseas. And it bothered me because I was always thinking about one day, then when I get overseas or if I go overseas or that's when the real ministry is going to happen. And that's, you know, and so much of my time was focused on supporting our our works overseas and and so internally I'm like I'd love to really be involved here and now and we're at the city's conference and Dan gave me this call and said hey would you want to be involved uh, with neighborhood rehab and I uh, instantly knew like God was doing that work in my heart as far as digging deep and I realized uh, as I uh, stepped into this role more and more. We live in such a mission field. Our own backyards uh, have so many hurting people. Um, I walked into some homes that were worse than plenty of other homes that had been overseas. And it really did something in my brain. I kind of, again, this crusty piece kind of came up. I'm like, how come folks are making these choices? What's, what's going on here with 
Um, you know, it's, it, it, it showed me the, the hardness of my heart. And um, Michelle and I walked into a lady's home, and, and it, was, it, was, it was pretty rough. Um, we looked at all, you know, the different things that she needed fixed, and she's like, you know, I've, I've battled cancer between this relationship between her and her daughter. Um, and that, that really, that tweaked me at that point, and I started thinking through, you know, again, what's this definition of poverty? What does it look like um, to be without stuff? And I think, generally, most of us think the definition of poverty is to be without, to not have. And, and for, a, for a guy that, you know, feels pretty blessed in life, I, I, I really, it was, it was again that wrestle of, you know, what, is, what does this mean? You know, how is there completely, you know, so much joy in the midst of what it looks like to me, hard circumstances. And um, I had been reading this book at the time. It's called When Helping Hurts. And these guys uh, presented uh, a definition of poverty that really challenged me. Um, I really loved uh, looking at it in a different way. And it, it suggests that poverty is actually a break in relationship. So one, so four different types of relationship. One, your relationship with God. Uh, two, your relationship with yourself. Three, your relationship with others. Uh, and then your relationship with the rest of creation. And um, what that does right there is it totally levels that playing field. Now, this puts those of us you know, who have uh, also into that place of need because we're also in this place of despair. Many of us have broke breaks in these relationships. And, and then it goes on to say in this book, until we embrace our mutual brokenness, our work with low-income people is likely to do far more harm than good. And I, uh, that really challenged me again just to look at, you know, that posture. Oftentimes, there's a place of inferiority uh, that you create those that are victims or those that are in need. And so when you take that place of have versus have not, it's like, let me give to you. Let me, let me do something for you as opposed to you coming alongside somebody and saying, hey, I'm also a broken dude. I've also got stuff going on. Let's look at this together. So you're posturing yourself more as that coach and that person to come alongside as opposed to the person that is going to directly impact and give, and give help. And that was so convicting to me again just to realize, hey, there are folks that are in places but they didn't choose to be there. And I, I realized in my, in my crustiness, this phrase that kept on coming, kept on coming to me was, um, love what it is. Love what it is. Not love what it could be, or love who they would be if they made these choices, or love, um, just love what it is and serve out of that joy because I realized, again, at that point, it's the Holy Spirit doing the work. We've got nothing. If it's not the Holy Spirit doing the work, we've got nothing to give. So, that's continuing, continued to be my challenge. So as we have, um, as now as I'm kind of redefining, you know, what does it look like to serve? What does it look like to love?
what does it look like for us? We've got here, we've got one chance, you know, to really, to really serve, to give it our all. And I love this time, um, you know, at Christmas, it, it feels like there's so many opportunities available. And so when it comes for, for us, uh, I want to encourage you, yeah, look, I'm just going to say this a little, this is more announcement yet, I could have shared this at the beginning, but... Um, when you get to the website, if you look on connects, uh, connect hillside.org, uh, hillsidecommunity.org, and, and connect news, you'll see all kinds of ways to plug in. But I encourage you to really plug in this Christmas season. What does it look like to serve? Uh, there's all kinds of opportunities involved. And I, and I think uh, I say that because uh, the person who, who got this video, um, who was kind of the catalyst, was, was Kevin Hodson. And he's not here today, but uh, Mike and Kevin um, created these these two videos. Kevin came to Mike and said, "Hey, there's some there's some people. He works uh, at uh, the Arvada Mission with Anne Lazari as well. And um, there's these folks uh, who are homeless who have got an amazing story to tell. And I love that it's Kevin that that brought this up because for years I've known Kevin." And it feels like every couple of months he's pulling me aside and he's like, hey, how can we serve a little better? How can, what do you think about this? What, what do you think about, you know, maybe I should change my life so I can really help these people. And he just, he, he's totally living, just focused on how can he give and help others. And so I love that uh, this morning. So you'll see uh, in the video, Kevin Hodson and Mike are the ones that are sharing, uh, asking questions. But it is of a few people, again, in their stories, uh, and what it's, what it's like to, to live and be homeless. And so I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, we're going to watch this first video, and then Pastor Kevin's going to come up after it and share some more with us before communion. This morning? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Had a rough night last night, but... Tell me about that. Mm. How'd you sleep? Huh? Where'd you stay last night? So you know where the um, the um, the movie theater is? Yes. And right across the street, that's where I camp. How long have you been here in Arvada? Um, actually, I have been in Colorado for over a year now. Okay. Where'd you come from? Where'd you move from? Omaha. Omaha. The Cornhusker State. Born and raised? Born and raised. Yeah. Yep. Tell me about that. What was your childhood like? Well, um... I grew up in, in, um, in um, North Omaha, and then um, my childhood was, was terrible, and that's when I got put in foster care. What age was that? Ten. Yeah. Actually, if I didn't get put in foster care, I wouldn't have, you know, been able to work and, you know, get jobs and graduate from high school. I mean, even though I didn't graduate with a, with a 4.0 uh, average. I mean, I wasn't the smartest student, in the, but I did graduate, you know, because of them. Yeah. So they did a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then was, then was still living with them, and then once I got into my 20s, it was time for me to move. But, uh... Were you working at that point mm-hmm. in Omaha? Mm-hmm. I had a job. I had a full-time job. Um... Had my own apartment, but I was a party animal though. But then once I started getting older, 
you know, getting close to my 30s, I'm like, you know what, it's time for me to slow down a little bit. And... Were you able to slow it down? Not really. No. Mm -mm. Losing jobs, because I was always going into work drunk all the time. I mean, not drinking on the job, but just just being plastered every every morning that I would wake up. Um, I had a car, I had a vehicle, so I do know how to drive. So hopefully, uh, once I get my social security card and start working, that's the next thing I'm gonna do, mm -hmm. is get my driver's license, get a car, and then hopefully one of these days, I wanna go home. Did you drive out here? No. No? How'd it's you get out here, what was that transition? Train. Okay. I got here. I, um, I why, actually, why Colorado? It's a long story with that part. Became friends. Um, met a guy back in Omaha at the uh, at the homeless shelter because I became homeless last last summer. Yeah, last summer. And uh, of course, he's handicapped, wheelchair. Nobody would help him out. I was always the one that was always helping him, you know, push him into his, his wheelchair, made, made sure that he took his seizure medication, um, would go out and panhandle with him almost every single day. And then once the COVID stuff was getting worse, um, the people were catching it in the, uh, in the, uh, shelters. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, I was like, I was like, Kyle, we cannot do this. I do not want to be trapped in this place for, for 14 days. I, we've got to get out of here. And he said, well, the only option that we have is to move to Colorado. I'm like, and then that's when he asked me to move to Colorado with him. And here we are. You know, with me helping him, going out and panhandling, you know, with him and dealing with, you know, um, other people trying to kick us off the, uh, off the corner. I mean, we've had rocks thrown at us. We've had, I, I was sprayed with bear mace twice. Um, had a gun pointed to my head, uh, what else? Being threatened, and I had a, and I, uh, and actually before, before my phone got stolen, I had a really nice duffel bag, it was probably, probably about that big. Um, I could fit everything in there, all my clothes. My Nebraska blanket's gone. That got stolen. Every time I talk about that blanket, because I made it myself, and it's gone. Hmm. I'll never see it again. All my clothes are gone. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've replaced clothes. How many times, like how many, like how many shirts I've, I've, I've had to replace socks, shoes. People steal it in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. or what? Yep. What would you say to somebody who? who doesn't know anything about homelessness? That is a tough question. I mean, I wasn't expecting to become homeless, but you know what, being homeless has made me into a better man than I have ever been. So there's some gratitude. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. But the uh, but the day that I the uh, the night that I became homeless, um, I had to find a, I had to find a spot to sleep. 
What, what is what do, you, what do you think of for the future? I know you're you know you're getting a Social Security card. You're going to get a job. Get a job lined up. Mm -hmm. Where's that going to lead you? Hopefully, I will be able to get my own apartment. Are you looking for work as well? I, I already have a job lined up. I just need to get my Social Security card, which I'm waiting on. Hopefully, it'll be here in about a, hopefully about a couple weeks. I can't do these streets anymore. So everybody has a story. Every one of you in this room has a story. Shane has a story as well. There's a lot of Shanes in our world, and that's part of what I want us to just be compelled to think about today, to process through what does it look like to acknowledge the stories of the people that are around us. So like Donovan, I was crusty too. I still am sometimes. You know, I, I judge things, I look at things, I hold things to a certain degree of what my expectations might, might be. And um, I was wrecked when I went to Nicaragua. That was the term you used. I don't like that term, but it is what's necessary. And so going into Nicaragua, uh, my understanding of people that might be poor or less advantaged than I was um, was to pretty much just dismiss them because it was their fault for being in that place. They did something that they deserved to be there. And walking the streets with the flax, um, literally with probably the smelliest boys I've ever seen in my life, with lice dripping off of their heads, I was wrecked. I, I was challenged to start looking at people in a different way and recognizing that everybody has a story. Just because we're affluent doesn't mean that God loves us more. Christ's death on the cross is for everybody. We in America, it's really interesting. So if you've traveled around the world, you recognize this. Most people in this room, the change that you have at your house in that little cup or that jar is more than what most people have as far as their entire wealth. Your change jar is more than what they have in totality. So, we've been going through Galatians, and Galatians gave us this really weird little snippet. So Paul goes and talks to the apostles. They're talking about salvation. They're talking about what it should look like for the Jews and the Gentiles. And right in the middle of that, they leave us with this in Galatians 2.10. Paul said, and all that they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing that he was so eager to do all along. Remember the poor. What should be compelling to us as we attempt to remember the poor? What does this really mean? Like, I think it's just like, what does that mean? Because I think it could look a lot of different ways. I think that there are a lot of different programs out there. There's a lot of different environments in which we could help. We could give to children in Africa. We could, we could, we could. And I think that that misunderstanding sometimes even stops us because it just feels overwhelming, doesn't it? So we've, got, we've got enough junk going on in our own world right now. Now you're asking me to take care of someone else's? Does this ask from the apostles really apply to me? So when Paul's leaving, he was asked a very specific question. And the question you've got to ask yourself is, is that applicable to me today? I'm going to share with you a little story about two characters. One is the judge. So the first character is the judge, and the judge does 
what judges do very well. By their very nature, they're there to examine facts, look into one's character, the intent of people's actions. Did the decisions of someone prove impactful to a situation? The judge is the one that will also render verdicts, impose a consequence. And in the end, the judge will declare something around innocence or guilt. Just by the very nature of judgment is where the judge gets their name. They're a judge. And I think that's where we as Christians tend to find ourselves when we're interacting with poor people or less advantaged people. We adopt the role of the judge. And I'm not sure that's really what Christ would want us to do. But yet, that's where we find ourselves. Why is that the starting point in our journey when we interact with people that are around us? And I think it's a good question. And that's one I want you to ask yourself right now. Why? Why do we immediately jump to judgment? Why do we see people and we start judging their actions while all along we never even consider our own? It's just so easy to point fingers and to make assessments upon why someone might be where they're at. The apostles and the Lord throughout Scripture make it abundantly clear that we're to remember the poor. It should be part of our framework. The next character in this illustration is the lifeguard. The role of the lifeguard is to save. They rescue. Imagine for just a moment. I've been here, so this is easy for me to imagine. You're in an ocean. You're swimming around. You get caught up in a riptide. It's a big riptide. You can't get back to shore. It just keeps sucking you out. You can't remember to swim sideways. I know that's what you're supposed to do, but you just, you just it wears you out. And some people get sucked out to sea in these things. And then for a moment, you look up and you glance on the shore, and there's a lifeguard. And you hope for one moment they see you. You hope in that instance they recognize your need. So now you're the lifeguard. What do you think the lifeguard does in that situation? Does the lifeguard look out and go, hey, did you eat 30 minutes before you went swimming? You're like moms would do. Remember that rule? I don't even know that's a real rule. They don't start asking those questions. They don't say, hey, when was the last time you took a swim class? Or can we analyze the sin of your life, your social and economic position, your political beliefs, who you voted for? Can we talk about that right now before I make the choice to come out there and rescue you? It's not what they do, is it? What do they do? They grab that funny little orange thing. They plop into the water without question, and they rescue. They save people. My hope is that for us, we might see ourselves in our interaction with the people that are around us more like lifeguards and less like the judge. That we would be able to see people in need ourselves in this community, in this state, and around the world in such a way that we see needs and we respond, that we rescue people that are in need. I believe this is the place that God wants his church we are God's earthly lifeguards, placed in positions every day to do our part. I'm not talking about completely eradicating, drowning people for all time, but we need to be ready to jump in when presented with the opportunity. So we just met Shane. I want to introduce you to Timothy. Timothy has a story as well. 
Please introduce yourself. Timothy Allen Brown. Uh, my birthday is on the 26th of September. I was born in 1967. All right. All right. Born and raised? Where were you born and raised? Arvada, Colorado, 60, wow. 53rd and Balsam. No kidding? Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? Pomona High School. Okay. Yeah. Panther City. Yeah. 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 Did you play for them? Did you play any sports? Yeah. Yeah. Played football, baseball. Not basketball, though. It's, it's a Lucy sport myself. No contact. <laughs> what, uh, what was your home life like? Normal. My mom, and, my mom and dad, my mom was an alcoholic. She went to Harmony Hills up in Estes Park to get better. And she was always a good mom, though. It's taught me right from wrong. What about dad? Dad was a hardworking union plumber. Do you have any vices at the moment? Or are you? Um, no, I don't think so. No alcohol? No, I, I uh, can't stand the taste of alcohol. When I was a kid, I, I was a lush to it because my mom was an alcoholic. And I don't know, they said it was kind of like hereditary that, uh, I mean, my mom drank like terrible when I was in her womb, you know, so I had that taste for alcohol. But uh, thank God today or the last 25 years anyway, I just couldn't stand the taste of it or the smell of it, so I got away from it. It's good. It's a blessing. Yes. And then I ran into prescription fraud stuff and went to prison and... You were writing your own scripts or what? Well, I was calling in my own scripts. I was, uh, yeah, yeah, anything I could to do to get the drugs. Yeah. So it was drugs at that point? It was. Yeah, yeah. And the next time I went to prison, I uh, jumped over a pharmacy counter and stole the drugs and jumped back over and ran out the door. Yeah. I battled it for about 25 years, maybe even close to 30 years. All right. Dependency to them, opiates. So. So how long have you been been homeless? About two years. Okay. Yeah. Did, 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 were you working prior to that? Did something? Um, I was. I was working as a, a flagger at a temporary agency. What my plan was to save up enough money so I could get my plumbing tools, which are pretty expensive. You got to have a torch and numerous other hand tools and stuff. So I had it planned out there for a while, and then I got just deterred when I became homeless. So where, where are you staying? Anywhere I can lay my head down. And it's getting harder wherever you go now. Is that mostly outside? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of alcoholics and drinkers and drug addicts, you know. And I can't say I wasn't doing the drugs back then either, you know. Because when you become homeless, it seems like the only thing to do. So, so you're, you're free of that now? Yes, for about uh, three, about 20, 24 days, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yeah, I'm just Good hoping time. I can keep it up because I tell you, it's, it can be tough. It can be real tough because it's right there for me. So. It's easy to get. Yes, very easy. Very easy. One day at a time, man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You gotta take care of yourself, man. You gotta stay off of that stuff. Yeah, and I plan on it. What's made you What's made you stay off of it for the last 24 days? Um, prison, prison, huh? prison. The 
the, just the thought of going back yes, to Yes, that is the most scary thing for me. Okay. Because I'll fall into my old ways and hurt people physically. And right. Me. When you're locked up, you don't have, you know, you're just a caged animal, basically, and anything goes. Yeah. Sounds like it's a powerful deterrent, man. You know, fear. You can see your future a little bit in that, right? Yeah. Well, listen, man, you're loved here. Yeah. This mission, your Nevada mission, is uh, it's a powerful place too, right? I mean, just having access to resources. Yes, and I'm grateful, very grateful for it. Keep coming in, keep talking to us, you know? I do. I do. God loves you. For real. I hope you feel that. It took me so long. Took me so long. To what, To believe in God. To believe in God. In God? Have faith. Yeah. I, I I like to think that, you know, now that you do, or myself speak for myself, you know, once I became a believer, I saw I saw God more. Yeah. And I, you know, I want that for you. Yeah. And it's coming slowly, but it's coming. Well. Keep coming in here and getting support. I will. For sure. I will. You're carrying a lot of pain. Yeah. Every day is a victory, you know. It's little victories one, one day at a time. Every day I wake up, I say thanks for another day. Amen to that. Yeah. What is your... Uh, What's your outlook for the future? Uh, a house with a white picket fence, uh, a dog. Patrolling the picket white fence? Yes, yes. Looking forward to seeing Timothy in a white picket fence house. Everybody has a story. It's easy for us to judge where people are and why they've gotten there. The gospel says that it is not up to us to make those judgments. What it is up to us to do is to move in a way that represents Christ, to do it so that we can bridge the gap and bring people this life-saving message of Jesus Christ. So I believe that everyone in this world has trauma. Everyone in this room has experienced something that has been traumatizing, has hurt them. It's been a critical incident in their life that has wrecked their value system, that has made them question what it is that's going on around them. Well, the case for us is I, I got a structure system around me that helps me process through that stuff. I've got people that I care about. I've got more than just one person. I've got all of you. Many times people that are found in the midst of homelessness and not having funds are suffering the same traumas that we experience, but it's unmanaged. It's, it's in a place where they're not able to receive the care or the impact that what I might receive. I see this in law enforcement every day. Um, many of my cops, if you're a 20-year officer, you've seen at least 
800 critical incidences if you've worked the street. You've been part of 800 traumas. And so part of our goal in that is trauma is not the thing that automatically puts you into a desperate situation. It is the mismanagement. It is the poor management of that trauma that leads you into this place. And I think that's where we fit as the church. Do, do we have the answer of Jesus Christ? Do we have the means and the ability to move in ways that maybe we've not even thought of? I think we do. We do have the ability. But I, if you're like me too, you're probably sitting here, I, I can't add one more thing to my plate, right? Because who here already feels overwhelmed? Like, don't, don't come here and tell me that there's one more thing that I've got to do today. Well, what I'm going to tell you is I'm not adding anything to your plate. This has actually always been on your plate. This has been something that the Lord has always made very clear to us. He has always helped us understand his heart and his desire for all people. Not just the ones that have become successfully financially that live in nice homes and drive fancy cars. Not just for guys like me, but for everybody. And so this expectation is one that the apostles and Paul has pushed out to us. Remember the poor in everything that you do, whatever environment that you're in, look around and figure out what that looks like. Recognize the expectations of our Lord and Savior to be his instrument to help people that are in need. Deuteronomy 15.11, we're going to put some verses up. These are in NIV up here, but it's in ESV down here. So I'm going to read them from this. Some slight differences. I like the term generous, which is in the ESV and not in the NIV. Deuteronomy 15.11. There will never cease to be poor in the land. So God is basically saying, just recognize this, that there will always be this need. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother and sister. So to us who are fellow followers of the Lord, our brothers and sisters who are in Christ, you will also open your hand to the needy and to the poor that are within your land. 1 Timothy 6.18 says this, You are charged to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So that's the charge that he wants to give Timothy, is in this environment, I want you to understand what it looks like to do heavenly works. There are things that we can do that are unheavenly, undivine, that don't lead towards salvation. And then there are things that are good works that do, that last throughout eternity. Be generous and be ready to share. Proverbs 19.17 says this, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay them for their good deeds. And I love the term there. So the, the picture of it is this, if you live in God's economy, like if all of his stuff is truly his, like everything you acquire is not just yours, but his, and you are a steward of his things, when he says, Kev, help that person out. I do. I lend to that person, and the Lord will see and repay. To live in God's economy means that we take the things that are his, we disperse them appropriately to the people that are in need, and God will give you more stuff so you can do the same thing. And if you don't, he's probably not going to give you more stuff to give out because you're hoarding it. That's what it means to lend to the Lord. So as we move into communion, this is what we're going to ponder. 
It, it, this is difficult. I've been wrestling through this for 30 years of my Christian life. I've come at moments where I get mad at people. I've seen successes and I've seen incredible failures. But the call that the Lord has upon us today is to challenge you to ask the question, where do I put those that are in need? How do I interact with the world that God has sovereignly put around me? What do I do when I drive up next to that individual? Do I pretend they're not there? Do I look away? What do I do when I gotta drive up to them every night and help them? It's hard, but the challenge today is where does God have you and what are his expectations for you? 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 29 is kind of an expectation that I, I wanna bring to us in communion. It's a little bit different way of taking communion, but it's still part of it. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let every person examine themselves then. So to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon themselves. So what I want you to do is pick up this. Just hold it in your hand and bow your heads. And I want us to discern together. I want us to examine together the worthiness in which we take this. So if God has given us a command and an expectation to be his children and move in a certain way, then let's examine what that looks like. So pray with me. Holy Spirit, Reveal to me any unworthy manner in which I approach communion today. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open them up as it pertains to my investment in the poor, my generosity, and my ability to share your riches. based upon your will or my will? Are my decisions based upon building my kingdom and my riches or your kingdom and your riches? Spirit, convict our hearts to be about you. That the fruit of the Spirit would flow through us in everything that we do. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill our hearts with your heart. That our desires would be mirrored to the desires of God that you would allow us to have your holy discontent for people who are in need around us. Challenge us, God, to be your representatives, to be your ambassadors here on earth as it is in heaven. So as we take this communion together, 
this bread, which is a symbol of your body broken for each of us. We take it in remembrance of you, Jesus. symbol of your blood that was poured out. Your blood that has washed our sins away. That has developed a new covenant so that we can be your children. We drink this in remembrance of you. Lord, challenge us. Encourage us. But more importantly, what Gus prayed this morning I pray that this would be a day that we move closer to you, Jesus. Amen. Well, while we were praying there, I feel like God spoke a little bit to me. Um, so often when I take communion, I try to approach, like I, I picture like putting on robes or nice clothing, like, here I am, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm good, and, and now I'm dressed nicely, or, or just try to approach it and get my heart, or get my mind to this place where I can look good for God. Um, he just kind of said, don't, don't do that, come as you are, like, right now with all the stuff you have, all the broken pieces of your life and the things you're wrestling with then and there, those come to communion with you. And those are what you lay down at the cross as you drink the, the blood and, and eat the body. Um, yeah, I just felt convicted. So let's do that. Let's show up just how we are now.
We're going to sing one more song. If you guys want to stand up. Um, just thinking about that great love. Um, and this song talks about just asking God to lead us in his love to those around us. His love is the greatest that anyone could ever receive. So let's just ask that it would be God's heart and his love to those around us, building our life on that.
let's sing the chorus one more time, holy. stories of others and, and I thank you for moving in our hearts. I pray that you continue and that we wouldn't just stop at being moved, but God, you would move us into action. God, you would lead us in love and our love would turn into action. We can only do that with your help, so God, meet us where we are in our brokenness and our laziness and God, walk beside us and work through us. We pray that you would be glorified above all else. God, we love you. It's your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. I think we have a potluck, right? Yeah, potluck over there. Um, yeah, thanks for worshiping with us. We'll eat with you over there. <laughs>